Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane. Today we are going to jump into some Finnish folk tales, starting with the tale of The True Bride. The Story of Ilona and the King's Son There were once two orphans, a brother and a sister, who lived alone in the old farmhouse where their fathers before them had lived for many generations. The brother's name was Osmo, the sister's Ilona. Osmo was an industrious youth, but the farm was small and barren and he was hard put to make it make a livelihood. Sister, he said one day, I think it might be well if I went out into the world and found work. Do as you think best, brother, Ilona said. I am sure I can manage here alone. So Osmo started off promising to come back for his sister as soon as he could give her a new home. He wandered far and wide, and at last got employment from the king's son as a shepherd. The king's son was about Osmo's age, and often when he met Osmo tending the flocks, he would stop and talk to him. One day, Osmo told the king's son about his sister, Ilona. I have wandered far over the face of the earth, he said. And never have I seen so beautiful a maiden as Ilona. What does she look like? the king's son asked. Osmo drew a picture of her, and she seemed to the king's son so beautiful that at once he fell in love with her. Osmo, he said, if you will go home and get your sister, I will marry her. So Osmo hurried home, not by the long land route by which he had come, but straight over the water in a boat. "'Sister!' he cried as soon as he saw Ilona. "'You must come with me at once, for the king's son wishes to marry you.' He thought Ilona would be overjoyed, but she sighed and shook her head. "'What is it, sister? Why do you sigh?' "'Because it grieves me to leave this old house "'where our fathers have lived for so many generations.' "'Nonsense, Ilona. "'What is this little old house compared to the king's castle "'where you will live once you marry the king's son?' "'But Ilona only shook her head. "'It is no use, brother. "'I cannot bear to leave this old house "'until the grindstone with which our fathers for generations ground their meal,' is worn out. When Osmo found she was firm, he went secretly and broke the old grindstone into small pieces. He then put the pieces together so that the stone looked the same as before. 
But of course, the next time Ilona touched it, it fell apart. Now, sister, you'll come, will you not? Osmo asked. But again, Ilona shook her head. It's no use, brother. I can't bear to go until the old stool where our mothers have sat spinning these many generations is worn through. So again, Osmo took things into his own hands, and going secretly to the old spinning stool, he broke it, and when Ilona sat on it again, it fell to pieces. Then Ilona said she couldn't go until the old mortar, which had been in use for generations, should fall to bits at a blow from the pestle. Osmo cracked the mortar, and the next time Ilona struck it with the pestle, it broke. Then... Ilona said she couldn't go until the old worn door sill, over which so many of their forefathers had walked, should fall to splinters at the brush of her skirts. So Osmo secretly split the old door sill into thin slivers, and when next Ilona stepped over it, the brush of her skirts sent the splinters flying. I see now I must go, Ilona said, for the house of our forefathers no longer holds me. So she packed all her ribbons and her bodices and skirts in a bright wooden box, and calling her little dog Pilka, she stepped into the boat and Osmo rode off with her in the direction of the king's castle. Soon they passed a long, narrow spit of land, at the end of which stood a woman waving her arms. That is, she looked like a woman. Really, she was Suyatar, but they, of course, did not know this. Take me in your boat, she cried. Shall we? Osmo asked his sister. I don't think we ought to, Ilona said. We don't know who she is or what she wants, and she may be evil. So Osmo rode on, but the woman kept shouting, Hi there! Take me in your boat! Take me! A second time, Osmo paused and asked his sister, Don't you think we ought to take her? No, Ilona said. So Osmo rode on again, and this creature raised such a pitiful outcry, demanding what they meant, denying assistance to a poor woman, that Osmo was unable longer to refuse, and in spite of Ilona's warning, he rode to land. Suyatar instantly jumped into the boat and seated herself in the middle with her face towards Osmo and her back towards Ilona. What a fine young man, Suyatar said in whining, flattering tones. See how strong he is at the oars, and what a beautiful girl, too. I dare say the king's son would fall in love with her if he ever saw her. Thereupon, Osmo very foolishly told Suyatar that the king's son had already promised to marry Ilona. At that, an evil look came into Suyatar's face, and she sat silent for a time, biting her fingers. Then she began mumbling a spell that made Osmo deaf to what Ilona was saying, and Ilona deaf to what Osmo was saying. At last, in the distance, the towers of the king's castle appeared. Stand up, sister, Osmo said. Shake out your skirts and arrange your pretty ribbons. We'll soon be landing now. 
Ilona could see her brother's lips moving, but of course she could not hear what he was saying. What is it, brother? she asked. Suyatar answered for him. Osmo orders you to jump headlong into the water. No, no, Ilona cried. He couldn't order anything so cruel as that. Presently, Osmo said, Sister, what ails you? Don't you hear me? Shake out your skirts and arrange your pretty ribbons, for soon we'll be landing now. What is it, brother? Ilona asked. As before, Suyatar answered for him. Osmo orders you to jump headlong into the water. Brother, how can you order so cruel a thing? Ilona cried, bursting into tears. Is it for this you made me leave the home of my father's? A third time, Osmo said, Stand up, sister, and shake out your skirts and arrange your ribbons. We'll soon be landing now. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. I can't hear you, brother. What is it you say? Suyatar turned on her fiercely and screamed, Asmo orders you to jump headlong into the water. If he says I must, I must, poor Ilona sobbed. And with that, she leapt overboard. Osmo tried to save her, but Suyatar held him back and with her own arms rode off and Ilona was left to sink. What will become of me now? Osmo cried. When the king's son finds I have not brought him my sister, he will surely order my death. Not at all, Suyatar said. Do as I say, and no harm will come to you. Offer me to the king's son and tell him I am your sister. He won't know the difference. And anyway, I'm sure I'm just as beautiful as Ilona ever was. With that, Suyatar opened the wooden box that held Ilona's clothes and helped herself to a skirt and bodice and gay-colored ribbons. She decked herself out in these, and for a little while she really did succeed in looking like a pretty young girl. So, Ozma presented Suyatar to the king's son as Ilona, and the king's son, because he had given his word, married her. But before one day was passed, he called Ozma to him and asked him angrily, what did you mean by telling me your sister was beautiful? I isn't she beautiful? Osmo faltered. No, I thought she was at first, but she isn't. She is ugly and evil, and you shall pay the penalty for having deceived me. Thereupon, he ordered that Osmo be shut up in a place filled with serpents. If you are innocent, the king's son said. The serpents will not harm you. If you are guilty, they will devour you. Meanwhile, poor Ilona, when she jumped into the water, sank down, 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 
until she reached the Sea King's palace. They received her kindly there and comforted her, and the Sea King's son, touched by her grief and beauty, offered to marry her. But Alona was homesick for the upper world and would not listen to him. I want to see my brother again, she wept. They told her that the king's son had thrown her brother to the serpents and had married Suyatar in her stead. But Alona still begged so pitifully to be allowed to return to earth that at last the sea king said, Very well, then. For three successive nights I will allow you to return to the upper world. But after that, never again. So they decked Alona in the lovely jewels of the sea with great strands of pearls about her neck, and to each of her ankles they attached long silver chains. As she rose in the water, the sound of the chains was like the chiming of silver bells and could be heard for five miles. Ilona came to the surface of the water just where Osmo had landed. The first thing she saw was his boat at the water's edge, and curled up asleep in the bottom of the boat was her own little dog, Pilka. Pilka! Ilona cried, and the little dog woke with a bark of joy and licked Ilona's hand and yelped and frisked. Then Ilona sang this magic song to Pilka. Peely, peely, pilkapied, lift the latch and slip inside, past the watchdog in the yard, past the sleeping men on guard, creep in softly as a snake, then creep out before they wake. Peely, peely, pilkapied, peely, peely, pilka. Pilka barked and frisked and said, Yes, mistress, yes, I'll do whatever you bid me. Ilona gave the little dog an embroidered square of gold and silver which she herself had worked down in the Sea King's palace. Take this, she said to Pilka, and put it on the pillow where the king's son lies asleep. Perhaps when he sees it, he will know that it comes from Osmo's true sister, and that the frightful creature he is married is Suyatar. Then, perhaps, he will release Osmo before the serpents devour him. Go now, my faithful Pilka, and come back to me before the dawn. So Pilka raced off to the king's palace, carrying the square of embroidery in her teeth. Ilona waited, and half an hour before sunrise the little dog came panting back. What news, Pilka? How fares my brother, and how is my poor love, the king's son? Osmo is still with the serpents, Pilka answered but they haven't eaten him yet. I left the embroidered square on the pillow where the king's son's head was lying. Suyatar was asleep on the bed beside him where you should be, dear mistress. Suyatar's awful mouth was open and she was snoring horribly. The king's son moved uneasily for he was troubled even in his sleep. And did you go through the castle, Pilka? Yes, dear mistress. And did you see the remains of the wedding feast? Yes, dear mistress, the remains of a feast that shamed the king's son, for Suyatar served bones instead of meat, fish heads, turnip tops, and bread burnt to a cinder. Good, Pilka, Ilona said. Good little dog, you have done well. Now the dawn is coming, and I must go back to the sea king's palace. But I shall come again tonight, 
and also tomorrow night, and do you be here waiting for me. Pilka promised, and Alona sank down into the sea to the clanking of chains that sounded like silver bells. The king's son heard them in his sleep, and for a moment woke and said, What's that? What's what? snarled Suyatar. You're dreaming. Go back to sleep. A few hours later, when he woke again, he found the lovely square of embroidery on his pillow. Who made this? he cried. Suyatar was busy combing her snaky locks. She turned on him quickly. Who made what? When she saw the embroidery, she tried to snatch it from him, but he held it tight. I made it, of course, she declared. Who but me would sit up all night and work while you lay snoring? But the king's son, as he folded the embroidery, muttered to himself, It doesn't much look to me like your work. After he had breakfasted, the king's son asked for news of Osmo. A slave was sent to the place of the serpents, and when he returned, he reported that Osmo was sitting amongst them, uninjured. The old king snake has made friends with him, he added, and has wound himself around Osmo's arm. The king's son was amazed at this news, and also relieved, for the whole affair troubled him sorely, and he was beginning to suspect a mystery. He knew an old wise woman who lived alone in a little hut on the seashore, and he decided he would go and consult her. So he went to her and told her about Osmo, and how Osmo had deceived him in regards to his sister. Then he told her how the serpents, instead of devouring Osmo, had made friends with him. And last he showed her the square of lovely embroidery he had found on his pillow that morning. There is a mystery somewhere, Granny, he said in conclusion, and I know not how to solve it. The old woman looked at him thoughtfully. My son, she said at last, that is never Osmo's sister that you have married. Take an old woman's word. It is Suyatar. Yet Osmo's sister must be alive, and the embroidery must be a token from her. It probably means that she begs you to release her brother. Suyatar? repeated the king's son aghast. At first he couldn't believe such a horrible thing possible, and yet that, if it were so, would explain so much. I wonder if you're right, he said. I must be on my guard. That night, on the stroke of midnight, to the sound of silver chimes, Ilona came floating up through the waves, and little Pilka, as she appeared, greeted her with barks of joy. As before, Ilona sang, Peely, peely, pilka pied, lift the latch and slip inside, past the watchdog in the yard, past the sleeping men on guard, creepin' softly as a snake, then creep out before they wake. Peely, peely, pika pied, peely, peely, pika. This time, Ilona gave Pilka a shirt for the king's son. Beautifully embroidered, it was in gold and silver, and Delona herself had worked it in the Sea King's palace. 
Pilka carried it safely to the castle and left it on the pillow where the king's son could see it as soon as he woke. Then Pilka visited the place of the serpents, and before the first ray of dawn was back at the seashore to reassure Ilona of Ozma's safety. Then dawn came, and Ilona, as she sank in the waves to the chime of silver bells, called out to Pilka, "'Meet me here tonight at the same hour. Fail me not, dear Pilka, for tonight is the last night that the Sea King will allow me to come to the upper world.' Pilka, howling with grief, made a promise. I'll be here, dear mistress, that I will. The king's son that morning, as he opened his eyes, saw the embroidered shirt lying on the pillow at his head. He thought at first he must be dreaming, for it was more beautiful than any shirt that had ever been worked by human fingers. Ah, he sighed at last, who made this? Who made what? Suyatar demanded rudely. When she saw the shirt, she tried to snatch it, but the king's son held it from her. Then she pretended to laugh and said, Oh, that! I made it, of course. Do you think anyone else in the world would sit up all night and work for you while you lie there snoring? And small thanks I get for it, too. It doesn't look to me like your work, said the king's son significantly. Again, the slave reported to him that Ozma was alive and unhurt by the serpents. Strange, thought the king's son. He took the embroidered shirt and made the old wise woman another visit. Ah, she said when she saw the shirt. Now I understand. Listen, my prince. Last night at midnight I was awakened by the chime of silver bells, and I got up and looked out the door. Just there, at the water's edge, close to that little boat, I saw a strange sight. A lovely maiden rose from the waves, holding in her hands that very shirt that you now have. A little dog that was lying in the boat greeted her with barks of joy. She sang a magic rhyme to the dog and gave it the shirt, and off it ran. That maid, my prince, must be Ilona. She must be in the Sea King's power, and I think she is begging you to rescue her and to release her brother. The King's son slowly nodded his head. Granny, I'm sure what you say is true. Help me to rescue Alona, and I shall reward you richly. Then, my son, you must act at once, for tonight... I heard Alona say, is the last night that the Sea King will allow her to come to the upper world. Go now to the smith, and have him forge you a strong iron chain, and a great strong scythe. Then, tonight, hide you down yonder in the shadow of the boat. At midnight, when you hear the silver chimes and the maiden slowly rises from the waves, throw the iron chain about her and quickly draw her to you. Then, with one sweep of your scythe, cut the silver chains that are fastened to her ankles. But remember, my son, that is not all. She is under enchantment, and as you try to grasp her, the sea king will change her to many things, a fish, a bird, a fly, and I know not what. And if in any form she escape you, then all is lost."
At once the king's son hurried away to the smithy, and had the smith forge him a strong iron chain and a heavy, sharp scythe. Then when night fell he hid in the shadows of the boat and waited. Pilka snuggled up beside him. Midnight came, and to the sweet chiming, as of silver bells, Ilona rose slowly from the waves. As she came, she began singing, Peely, peely, pilka pied. Instantly, the king's son threw the strong iron chain about her and drew her to him. Then, with one mighty sweep of the scythe, he severed the silver chains that were attached to her ankles, and the silver chains fell chiming into the depths. Another instant, and the maiden in his arms was no maiden, but a slimy fish that squirmed and wriggled and almost slipped through his fingers. He killed the fish, and lo, it was not a fish, but a frightened bird that struggled to escape. He killed the bird, and lo, it was not a bird, but a writhing lizard, and so on through many transformations, growing finally small and weak, and until at last there was only a mosquito. He crushed this, and in his arms he found again the lovely Ilona. Ah, dear one, he said, you are my true bride, and not Suyatar, who pretended she was you. Come, we will go at once to the castle and confront her. But Alona cried out at this, Not there, my prince, not there. Suyatar, if she saw me, would kill me and devour me. Keep me from her. Very well, my dear one, the king's son said. We'll wait until tomorrow, and after tomorrow there will be no Suyatar to fear. So for that night they took shelter in the old wise woman's hut, Ilona, and the king's son, and faithful little Pilka. The next morning early, the king's son returned to the castle and had the sauna heated. Just inside the door he had a deep hole dug and filled it with burning tar. Then over the top of that hole he stretched a brown mat, and on the brown mat, a blue mat. When all was ready, he went indoors and roused Suyatar. "'Where have you been all night?' she demanded angrily. "'Forgive me this time,' he begged in pretended humility. "'And I promise never again to be parted from my own true bride. Come now, my dear, and bathe, for the sauna is ready.' Then Suyatar, who loved to have people see her go to the sauna just as if she were a real human being, put on a long bathrobe and clapped her hands. Four slaves appeared. Two took up the train of her bathrobe, and two others supported her on either side. Slowly, she marched out of the castle, across the courtyard, and over to the sauna. They all really think I'm a human princess, she said to herself, and she was so sure she was beautiful and admired that she tossed her head and smirked from side to side and took little mincing steps. When she reached the sauna, she was ready to drop the bathrobe and jump over the door sill to the steaming shelf. But the king's son whispered, Nay, nay, remember your dignity as a beautiful princess and walk over the blue mat. So, with one more toss of her head, 
one more smirk of her ugly face, Suyatar stepped on the blue mat and sank into the hole of burning tar. Then the king's son quickly locked the door of the sauna and left her there to burn in the tar. For burning, you know, is the only way to destroy Suyatar. As she burned, the last hateful thing Suyatar did was to tear out handfuls of her hair and scatter them broadcast in the air. Let these, she cried, yelling and cursing, turn into mosquitoes and worms and moths and trouble mankind forever. Then her yells grew fainter and at last ceased altogether, and the king's son knew that it was now safe to bring Ilona home. First, however, he had Ozma released from the place of the serpents and asked his forgiveness for the unjust punishment. Then he and Osmo together went to the hut of the old wise woman, and there, with tears of happiness, the brother and sister were reunited. The king's son, to show his gratitude to the old wise woman, begged her to accompany them to the castle, and presently they all set forth with Pilka frisking ahead and barking for joy. That day there was a new wedding feast spread at the castle, and this time it was not bones and fish heads and burnt crusts, but such food as the king's son had not tasted for many a day. To celebrate his happy marriage, the king's son made Osmo his chamberlain and gave Pilka a beautiful new collar. Now at last, Ilona said, I am glad. I left the house of my forefathers. Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane is proudly produced by Lantern Audio Works. To support this show and our other shows, you can visit our website, www.lanternaudioworks.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to connect with me further, you can find me on Instagram at Celosia Crane underscore author. Link is in the show notes.